Well, that is problematic, isn't it? Uh, it certainly happens. And, and we didn't know this. I had no clue what they were doing. But it does tie in well with where we're going to be going this morning. If you have your study guide out, uh, take a look at the top. If you don't, by the way, you can find that in your bulletin. Uh, study guide for this morning. Love for you to take it out. I think you'll find it beneficial for you. This morning we're going to be looking at Joshua chapter 1 verses 6 through 9. Now this is a passage that uh, is not new to us. We have examined this particular passage several times. In fact, two years ago, almost to the day, two years ago, we brought out our theme for 2015, which was dig digging deep into the Word of God, making the Word of God a priority for our lives for that year. And uh, we used verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Certainly it is a key verse, a key part of this passage. It's not one that we're going to focus on this morning. In fact, this morning we're going to dig into verse 9. That's going to be the heart of where we spend our time. But we're going to use the previous verses, verse 6 down, to build a context of where we're heading in our study and I hope that you will listen very intently to this study because the deal is that over the past three weeks we've been working to dedicate ourselves in different areas of life and we work the first Sunday of the year dedicating ourselves to loving God and loving others and we saw the need the necessity and I hope that we came to an understanding of why that is vital and why God commanded us to do such. And then the second week of the year, we built upon that and we said, okay, now here's where we're going. We're wanting to love others. We're wanting to, to, to show a love for God and others the way God has loved us. And in the process, what we want to do is now reveal that love. The problem for a lot of us is that we've experienced the love of God but we don't know how to turn around and share it with others and so we keep it bottled up as a child of God there is no doubt that we've experienced that love from God Now, if you're not a child of God this will be foreign to you and I'm sorry but please bear with me a little while anyway but if you're a child of God you've experienced this love from God and you know exactly what I'm talking about and therefore sharing it ought to be second nature but the problem is we we don't we bottle it up and so that second week we talked about revealing that love showing it to others how to make it seen and, and make it felt in other people's lives so that our community and our world experience that love through us that we experience from God and then last week we talked about glorifying God remember what glorifying God means it means to make God great to to explain or express his greatness to those who are around to allow them to hear it from our lips and to see it in our actions they see the greatness of God that's giving God glory when we show God's greatness through our words and through our actions to people who are watching and we talked about giving God glory not only in the good times of life not only in the positive elements of life but also in those horrific places of life giving God glory in our suffering and we looked at the thought that while our suffering involves us 
It's not really about us. That God is using that suffering to grow us, to develop us, to, to bring us into a closer relationship with Him. And using that, that suffering, just as He did in Job's life, to get glory for Himself among the people who are around us. And we've dedicated ourselves to this purpose. And, and we've, we've got direction. We've got this focus. But the problem is we are very, very human. And being human means that uh, from time to time we're going to fail in our progress. From time to time we're going to slip up. From time to time we're not going to proceed. We're not going to advance as God directs us. And so I want you to understand that whether you have been successful through these first three weeks or you have failed miserably, the discussion we're going to have this morning is not a condemnation. It's not a point my finger down your throat type thing, okay? This is all about encouragement. In fact, I believe that this is exactly what God was doing with Joshua. Joshua chapter 1 verses 6 through 9. Follow along if you will on your study guide. God is speaking directly to Joshua. And he says to him, Be strong and of good courage. For, this, for, for to this people you should divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Three things I want you to see from this this morning. If you've got your study guide ready, get ready to write. If you need a pen, you'll find it in the book racks. You can use one of the clipboards that are attached as well to help you. But we see, first of all, very clearly in this passage, the command from God. Notice, number one, the command. We look at this and we say, okay, it's encouragement. God's trying to encourage Joshua, he's trying to motivate Joshua, but even more than that, God lays down a very specific command to Joshua. Joshua, I want you to be strong, and I want you to be courageous. Now to me, as I read back through in context verses 6 through 9, it's a little bit humorous to me. Because of the redundancy of this commandment. God tells him once in verse 6, be strong and be courageous. He tells him again in verse 7, be strong and very courageous. And then again in verse 9, he says, Joshua, have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage? And maybe it doesn't strike you as humorous, but allow me to share with you where my thoughts are going and maybe you'll catch it somewhat. I hope so. But I got to thinking about a mom who is just at wit's end. 
And she is so frustrated with her children. Have I not told you over and 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 over again to pick up your toys or to clean up your room or to take out the garbage or to eat your smelly vegetables? Have I not told you time and time again to do it? And the frustration. And yet, I'm looking at you and nothing is changing. Are you not hearing me? Are you not listening? And I picture God maybe without the attitude, maybe without the frustration, talking to Joshua and he's saying, Joshua, are you not getting this? Joshua, I've commanded you now twice in just a few minutes, be strong and very courageous. But I believe God was looking into Joshua's heart. God knows our thoughts. He knows what's going on in our minds. And I believe God was looking into his heart. And as he told him the first time in verse 6, Joshua, you need to be strong and courageous. He saw that there was still a little fear, a little intimidation, a little anxiety over what was coming. And so he said again in verse 7, Joshua, be, be strong and very courageous. And he looked into his heart and although he told him now for the second time, he saw there was still the intimidation. There was still that little bit of fear, or maybe a lot of fear in his heart. And so he came around about to verse 9 and he said, Joshua, are you hearing me? Joshua, have I not commanded you? And yet look what's in your heart, buddy. Come on, man. Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I believe that Joshua was really struggling. And I believe that through these first two times, God looked into his heart and he realized, i got to tell him this again. He's not getting it. And after the second time, he realized he still is not getting it. I've got to tell him this again. But the third time, God added something incredible to the end of the commandment. So Joshua, if I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. Why? Because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. It's interesting that he would add that. Because as I'm trying to put myself in Joshua's shoes and try to understand his feelings, trying to see what was before him, and we'll talk about that in just a second, I can sense Joshua's just kind of pulling away from this because this is a big deal what's about to happen. And I can see God coming up and saying, Joshua, listen. I'm not calling you to do this because you're such an incredible person. You are, but that's not why I'm calling you. I'm not calling you to do this because you're such a great warrior or you're such a great leader. Joshua, I'm calling you to do this so that you will surrender yourself to me and you will be a tool that I can use, a vessel by which I can work through to accomplish something that only I can accomplish in your life. You see, the realistic part of this is God wasn't calling Joshua to go into the land and do something that only he could do. The Bible tells us that our very best works are like filthy rags before God. 
God wasn't asking Joshua to lead these people in and present filthy rags before him. What he wanted was Joshua to surrender, to understand that God was with him, that God was working through him, and that God was going to do a God-sized event that only God could accomplish. And I believe in that moment when God said, Joshua, the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That that brought such comfort to Joshua. That it just calmed his heart. That it calmed his fears. Because finally he got it. Oh. And the reason I think that is because of the change we see in verses 10 and 11. Now, you don't have that on your sheet. I wish I'd added that to it. But you can write those verses in, the numbers, and go back and read them when you get home. But let me read them to you now. The, the drastic change between verses 6 through 9 with the fear, the anxiety, the intimidation... To now, God says in the end of verse 9, I am with you wherever you go. In verse 10, look at what happens. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people saying, Pass through the camp and command the people saying, Prepare provisions for yourself for within three days you will cross over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. You don't see any fear or intimidation in that. What you see is a guy stepping into the role which God had planned for him. God had given him the courage. Joshua, I am with you. I'm with you. Don't be afraid. <laughs> now, I think it helps for us to back up just a little. In fact, point number two, I think it helps us to see the purpose of the commandment. Look at number two, the reason God gave him this commandment. And I believe that this commandment comes not because Joshua was not a man that was, was courageous. In fact, I think that we see time and time again that he was a very courageous person. I think he had proven that very well. You may remember 40 years before this time, and God had told Moses, I want you to send the people, take them, lead them into the promised land. And you remember what Moses did? He picked out 12 people and he said, now I want you guys to go in and spy out the land and bring us back word on how we can accomplish this task. And the 12 spies went in, they came back with these incredible stories. The place is incredible, it's amazing. And yet 10 of the people said, but the problem is we can't take that land. Oh, no. Now, th those people are huge. They are well-equipped. They are well-trained. They are warriors. They have huge walled cities. They have everything they need to wipe us off the face of the earth. There is no way we can go in and take that line, land. But two of them, Joshua and Caleb, stood before the people and said, Yes, it is a fascinating place. It's incredible. And we can go in and possess it. The whole nation was standing against them. And yet Joshua and Caleb were saying, yes, we can go in. We can take this land. God's given it to us. Let's go in and possess it. The problem wasn't that he hadn't shown himself to be courageous. 
But the problem was that he also was human. He also had those fears and anxieties. And I believe those, those fears and intimidations and anxieties came from three different places. You can jot these in if you'd like to. You don't have to. But if you want to write them under number two, that would be great. But first of all, I think that there, there was intimidation and fear because the task was huge. The task was huge. I mean, what God was calling Joshua to do was not some little bitty thing that could be accomplished with, with anybody's skills. I mean, it wasn't that Joshua was going to take 12 people and say, well, let's swim across the other side. Let's go in and uh, we'll find us a place to camp out. God was saying, Joshua, I want you to take the millions of people that are following you. And I want you to lead them into this land. And I want you to drive out the inhabitants that are there. These huge people. These well-trained, well-skilled, well-equipped people behind huge walls. I want you to go in and I want you to eliminate your enemy. This was a big deal. And I think in Joshua's mind, he was looking at what lie ahead. And he was frightened by it. But not only that, the second thing, not only was the task huge, but I believe in his mind, there was a problem that he wasn't huge. The task was huge, but when he compared himself to Moses, he saw what a very incapable leader he really was. You think about it. I mean, Moses had skills. He had been trained in Pharaoh's house. He was Pharaoh's grandson in Egypt. And Pharaoh had trained him and equipped him. He knew exactly how to lead. He was a leader that was made. God had made him. Pharaoh had assisted, had taught him, had trained him. And now for 40 years, God had talked with him face to face and led the people through the wilderness. Joshua was looking at this situation. He was saying, oh my goodness. I can't do what he did. I'm not trained to do that. I'm not equipped to do that. I do not have the skills or the ability or the leadership qualities that Moses had. And I believe he may have had a bad opinion of himself. I would imagine that in this room there are a lot of us that can identify with that. But there is a great danger that's associated with comparing ourselves to others. It actually falls in one of two ways. For most of us, when we compare ourselves to other people, we compare ourselves, as Joshua was probably doing, to someone that we presume to be better than we are. The problem with this, the danger that exists in comparing ourselves with someone that we presume to be better than us, is that we have the tendency to say, but God, I, you see, I'm not qualified for this. And as a result, we just back away from the command. Maybe that's what was happening with Joshua. Maybe comparing himself to Moses put him in a very dangerous place where he said, okay, God, there, there's probably somebody else. But I don't think I'm that guy. 
On the other side of this, when we compare ourselves to someone that we presume to be worse than us, uh, worse in serving a particular area, worse in leading or worse sinner than we are, there's a great danger associated with that that will swell up with pride and we'll develop that better than thou mentality. Yeah. I would imagine that some of us have that same issue. That we just look down our noses at other people. It's a great danger in that. That kind of pride brings disaster. It brings devastation. It brings destruction. The Bible says that God resists the proud. He pushes them away. James talks about, or excuse me, Paul talks about in the book of Galatians chapter 6, those who are spiritual, when you see someone who's fallen, you reach out in the spirit of gentleness and meekness to restore them. But you also consider yourself in the process. Don't get haughty. Don't get prideful. Don't begin to think yourself to be something that you're not. And that is a spiritual person if you're thinking you're better than them. Because you may very well end up in the same situation. God has a way of bringing prideful people down. And it's not a pretty sight when it happens. And so there's this danger that's associated Unfortunately, I believe, and you won't necessarily dig into this passage and say, oh, well, here's where it says that. I'm speculating a little. This is my opinion. Please understand that. My opinion has been proven right 99.3% of the time, so you can probably rely on it. But just so you know, it is my opinion. But I believe Joshua was looking at the situation and he thought, God, I, I just can't do that. But then there was a third element. This one we do know for sure. This is not speculation. Joshua would have remembered how ungovernable, that's a hard word, ungovernable, that's still hard, how unruly these people were. Joshua would have remembered that. He would have thought back to Moses, this incredible leader, how he had difficulties with him time and time again with the people. How time and time again he had tried to lead them and they would rebel and God would bring punishment upon them. And he would fall down before the Lord and cry out. The people would repent and God would restore them. And yet, just a little bit later, they would do the same thing. He knew the troubles that came with leading this group of people. In fact, he knew it in a very personal way. Because when he came back with the, 12, the other 11 spies, 12 of them together, to give the report, the 10 said, we can't. The 2 said, we can the people rose up against the two and basically were saying, you want to do something that we don't want to do? Well, we'll show you how we deal with that. And they wanted to stone them to death. Could have been in the back of Joshua's mind. You know what, God? If, if they decide they don't want to do this, if they pick this time to be rebellious, they're going to kill me. And I think that's why it was so very important that God said, Joshua, have I not commanded you? Are you not hearing me? Be strong and be very courageous. 
Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. Because I'm with you, Joshua. I'm not sending you out there alone to make it in your own abilities. I'm not giving you a book that says how to win friends and influence people and hoping you can achieve that. Joshua, I'm with you wherever you go. And I believe that courage inspired him. Wow. It's true. God, it's true. And Joshua left that discussion with a new trust and a new courage. Now, as we look at what was going on in this situation, I think it's important now to bring it back to us. Because I really believe that it does us no good, or at least not a lot of good, to examine what God has said to someone else until we actually take it and apply it to our lives. Okay, how is this real to us? How do we now take it and put this same thing into practice? Because I'm not under the delusion that God was speaking to us. He was talking to Joshua. But what I do know for certain is that the principles God was using with Joshua in verses 8 and verses 9 are found other places in the Scripture where God is indeed telling us the same thing. And therefore, we can take that this exact thoughts were intended for us as well. So what is he saying to us? Number three, the application of the command for us. The application of the command for us. You see, I believe that Joshua was right in these assumptions. This is a huge task. Man, you're not just going to take a couple of million people, if not three or four million people, across into a land and somehow figure out how to how to lead them into the right places where they'll have water, they'll have food, where they can stay, where they can defeat the enemy. You're not just going to accomplish that. This was a huge task. And he was right in that he wasn't as well trained and as well equipped as was Moses. Numbers chapter 27. God told Moses, he said, I want you to go up onto the mountain and I want you to look over into the land. Because you rebelled against me, you and Aaron rebelled against me in the wilderness, and you, you, you didn't do what I told you to and bring him forth water from the rock, you're not going to go in, but I'm going to let you look in. And Moses pleaded with God. He said, God, would you first put a leader over the people? Would you put somebody in charge so that they're not wandering around without a leader, without someone to guide and direct them, and God said, I want you to call Joshua. And I want you to put on him some of your responsibility so that the people will see him in that role. I think that was so wise. I want you to bring him in and I want you to start letting him ease into the job. Now, I don't know if it was a few hours later when Moses went to the mountain, a few weeks, a few months. I don't really know. But what we do know is that Joshua did not have the experience that Moses had. He was not well-versed in leading a rebellious group of people. And in fact, that was true too. And so God reached down and in this, this troubled heart of Joshua said, Joshua, 
I'm with you, man. With you. And I think God is directing our hearts to the very same thing. That He wants us to understand that He is not calling us to be silver-tongued or to be persuasive. Even though Paul said, I, I work to persuade people. There is every ounce of my being that is attempting to draw people to Jesus Christ. I know that's the work of God, but I'm doing my part. I'm the vessel that God is using. He's equipped me. He's trained me. But God says, I, I'm, not, I'm not calling you or commanding you that you better not be boring. You better not say something inappropriate. But what I am saying is, Joshua, don't be afraid of the people. Don't be afraid of the task. Don't be intimidated by previous leaders. And I believe to us he's taking the same thing because we've been looking at several principles over the last three weeks. And I believe he's saying, I'm not, I'm not telling you that, that you've got to go out and figure this out by yourself. What I am saying is, is don't be afraid if you're a little bit introverted or a whole lot introverted. Don't be afraid if you have trouble asking, inviting someone to church or telling them about Jesus. Don't be afraid of... Of, of revealing the love that I have shared with you to others. Don't be afraid of the suffering you're in right now. Because there's a purpose for it. Don't be afraid to, to make much of the greatness of God in your pain and in your heartache. We're not diminishing or, or, or minimizing the pain and suffering when we say that, yes, you're involved in it, but it's really not about you because God is saying, I just want you to submit yourself to me. I just want you to be a vessel, a tool that I can use to bring about my glory. And I want you to know in everything you do, I will be working in your life to bring about what is best in your life. Regardless if you're in a great time or you're in a horrible time, I'm at work to do something meaningful that only God can do. You see, here's the thing. I think that if, if we're doing things that we can do, we're not really being led by God. Because I believe God wants to do something in our lives and through our lives that only He can do. I believe He wants to move us to a new place of faith and trust in Him. I believe He wants to elevate our, our relationship to the place that we say, God, I, I trust you. This is the most painful thing I've ever been through in my life. And I don't understand it. And I don't really like it. But what I do do is I trust you completely. I trust you in every aspect of what you're doing in my life. And even though it's hard, even though it's painful, 
I want you to be glorified. I want your greatness to be seen in the way I respond to this time of suffering. I want your greatness to be acknowledged by people around who are watching, seeing the pain that I'm going through. I want them to look at my life and see how much I think of you. That's what God's calling us to. And the amazing thing is, He's telling us, be strong, be courageous, don't be afraid, don't be dismayed, because I am with you wherever you go. I will not leave you, I will not forsake you. I have not deserted you. I have not abandoned you to your problems and your hurts. I'm the same place I've always been, hovering over and protecting my child for what is absolutely best in their lives and best for my glory. Whether we've been very faithful in our dedications over the last few weeks whether we have remained surrendered to loving God and loving others and revealing that whether we've remained surrendered to glorifying God in our lives and in our suffering or whether we've kind of drifted away from that may this great word from Joshua chapter 1 in verse 9 be our encouragement this week to advance fearlessly for God. Thank you.